Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God and the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name, and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father, and his son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud, because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. 
And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith 
which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Frank DeMassey from our Syracuse, New York class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be James, the second chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Good afternoon and good evening, good evening everyone. Let us take a moment. Let us bow our hearts and minds. Let's try and get all the thoughts of the flesh out of our heads and for the next two hours, concentrate on glorifying our Creator. Dear Father, we ask with all mercy and truth that you allow your spirit to flourish through your chosen vessels tonight so that you may receive the glory and the body may be edified. We ask that each and every one of us recognize, realize, and appreciate the gift of grace has been bestowed upon us that you've pulled us out of a world of chaos and darkness and given us light and hope and love. We ask that you give us also the wisdom to utilize the attributes that you have placed in us and to always give you the glory. May each and every one of us always love the truth and always love one another. We ask this in the holy name of Yahshua. May we all say hallelujah. 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 Good evening, class. I'll be reading tonight James, the second chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association, Incorporated in College Park, Maryland. James, the second chapter. My brethren, have not the faith of our glorious Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not Yahweh chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, as heirs of that kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, 
he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not commit murder. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou commit murder, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So, so speak ye and so do, as they shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What doth doth it profit, my brethren, if a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it, does it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works is dead being alone yea a man may say thou hast faith and i have works show me thy faith without thy works and i will show ye my faith by my works thou believest that there is one elohim thou doest well the demons also believe and tremble but wilt thou know o vain man that faith without works is dead was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed Yahweh, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of Yahweh. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also it was not Rahab the hostess justified, justified by works, when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James, the second chapter. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Damasi. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe and Dr. Bruce Geller, both from our Oceanside, California class. Speakers, be advised that you will have a five-minute sign appear on your screen. Please acknowledge when you've seen the sign. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. And I can read for Bruce if it's not convenient. Oh, it's fine, Dave. Thanks. I got it. Good afternoon, class. I, uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm telling you, it's so, so, um, we're, it's such a privilege to be able to come down and be at class. And, and even if we aren't in the physical presence of one another, this, this, the, the brethren, even in Zoom, you, I feel the, the love of the brethren and the camaraderie, and it's just a blessing. It's something I look forward to and, and hate to miss, and I'm, just, I'm so glad to be here. So um, let's go to the scripture lesson. And in the scripture lesson, it talked about how it basically is talking about how faith and works, they work hand in hand. And, uh, but uh, let's, let's wake one thing right clear off the bat. 
that we're not justified by those works. Let's get Romans 3 and 21, I think it is, that I'm going to want. Let me just go over there with you. Uh, you said Romans. You're not reading, Bruce. Sorry. Oh, I told Dave I would. You can't because you don't have the, the microphone by you. Dave, are you reading? Okay, 3 yeah. and 20. Sherry, 3 and 21 of Romans is. Uh-huh. Uh, I want that you're not justified by works. It talks about that in there. Somebody. Yeah, that's uh, it's not right there, though. Let me see. If anybody knows, they can tell me. Hold on, I know it's in there. Where it says, um, justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's good enough. That's good. Okay, so that's 28, Romans 3, 28. 28. Right. Therefore, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds or without the deeds of the law. So our justification or we're justified by faith, not by the things that we do. So let's just put that out there right at the, the beginning that we're not justified or saved because we've done works of righteousness. The whole law was out there for the purpose of showing sin exceedingly sinful and show how mankind without the Holy Spirit couldn't keep the law if they wanted to. That's why it's such a, I, I, I used to feel that I had to live up to a certain expectation or a certain standard, which I set up for myself in order to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. I had to be good enough. But the fact of the matter is, without the Holy Spirit, you can't be good enough. There's no such thing as being good enough. But that doesn't negate the fact that when Yahshua is in, in us, he's, he's put his spirit within us to do a work. Now, let's go first of all to Titus, the first chapter. And I want to... Um, just pick up the last verse, verse 16. See, it's one thing, you know, people, you know, to go around saying, oh, I got the Holy Spirit or I love Yahshua the Messiah. But our works are going to have to show that which we, um, which is within us. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're here. What our goal is in class is to have Yahshua the Messiah manifested in us that's the whole thing that we want we want him to be manifest or made known through us yahshua the messiah is um working in us to show forth himself and all along we've had examples or manifestations if you will of those that were manifesting righteousness and then you have manifestations of those that manifests that unrighteousness, uh, like Pharaoh and 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 uh, and the likes. So go ahead and per pick up verse sixteen there, Linda or whoever. Titus one sixteen. Mm -hmm. They profess that they know Yahweh, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. So it's not just enough to say, hey, I know Yahweh, I know Yahshua the Messiah, but you're going to have to show it more by your works. I remember once somebody saying that Dr. Kinley said that, um, that people were reading you 
they weren't reading the scripture, they were reading you. And it's true. People can look at and see someone with the Holy Spirit and they'll recognize there's something different about that person. That person isn't fretting, isn't worrying, isn't upset, is, is, um, is teaching the truth. And they can see by, it says over there, I can't remember the verse, how that we are manifestly declared to be epistles of Yahshua the Messiah. Well, to be manifest means that some work has been done. Some, something is showing visibly or something is manifest. That spirit that's in us is manifestly declared. And it's declared by our works. Not that we're justified by those works or saved by our works. But we are supposed to be manifestations and that's our goal is to be a manifestation of Yahshua the Messiah in righteousness and here it's saying people they profess to know Yahweh but really in their works they aren't showing him at all uh, go while you're there in Titus go down to 2 and 7 In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. So it talks about to be discreet and, and obedient to your husbands and and uh, to be sober-minded and sound speech and all these things that's in this verse. And it's saying, showing thyself to be a pattern of good works. So there are some good works that we expect to be shown forth um, as manifestations of those uh, that have have the Holy Spirit. Uh, pick up verse um, 13. Looking for that. Actually, just pick it up. Pick it up at 11. 11? Okay. Mm -hmm. For the grace of Yahweh that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So that's letting us know we're saved by grace. It's not by works. And, and that brings us or saves us, bring us salvation. Read. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world or age. Keep on. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great Yahweh and our Savior, Yahshua, the Messiah, we gave, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now here he's talking about people being zealous of good works. If you skip down to Titus 3 and 8, it talks about um, those that believe in Yahweh might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So we see all these places that it talks about how that it's not just by faith, but it's by works, and that that those that are um, that love Yahweh are going to be zealous of good works. But then there's one thing that that we need to remember. It's not us doing the work. Let's get Ephesians 2 and 9. 
Ephesians 2 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of Yahweh, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Yahshua the Messiah well, unto good works. We are work. his workmanship. It says, where's, where's that verse? And I, I'm trying to remember where it is. It says, it's him that worketh in you. Um, and I can't, all of a sudden, it's just not. It's um, Philippians 2.13. Thank you. Thank you, Sasha. Got it, Dave? No, if you got it, go ahead. I'm looking. Okay. For it is Yahweh who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, see, there you go. It's Yahweh or Yahshua worketh that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So now that's going to take you right out of the picture again, thinking that it's you that's doing works of righteousness, because it's going to be Yahweh or Yahshua in you that's going to even cause you to want to do the right thing in Yahweh's eyesight. And it's going to be Yahshua in you that's causing you to do those things. It's not going to be you of yourself. He went through that whole old covenant to show us that we could not be obedient of our own self. That there was, he said, there's none righteous, no, not one. There wasn't one single one back there, save Yahshua the Messiah, that could keep that law. And he made that law so it was impossible to keep. He'd say, you have to be circumcised on this day. And then, but what if that day falls on the Sabbath? And there were so many rules and regulations and, and you're bound to, to break one. And, and he didn't even care if you did it by accident. This guy reached up to grab the ark and he was killed instantly, even though he was just trying to save the ark from falling. He's a stickler to what he says. And, and, and there were none that could be saved by the works of the law. There wasn't a single one. And it was for the purpose of showing us that we of our own selves aren't going to be able to do it. That's why we had to wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out within our hearts and minds. And then the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that causes you to even want to do the right thing. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit that causes you to, to do the right thing. It's not you that's doing the work. It's his work. We are his workmanship. We, we are, and, and, and he had to, just like the workmanship that went into the building of the tabernacle, he had to put his spirit in Eliab and Bezalel to even let him know how to build that tabernacle. He had to be the one. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And really, he's the author and finisher of our works, too. Because it's going to be him that worketh in us to do those things that he's pleasing in his, in his eyesight. 
And that's really what gives you some confidence when you see yourself doing an about face and doing something that you normally wouldn't do. And you say, oh, holy smokes, how come I did that? That's a good thing. And you know that you tried to do that your own self so many times and failed and failed and failed. And then all of a sudden, you see how Yahshua is doing that work within you and he's causing you to stand upright where before you couldn't. Because he is our, he's the one that's doing the work in us. Now let's go get John, the 14th chapter and verse 10. John 14 and 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Now he's Joshua saying to believe me for the works that he does, but he's already letting you know that it's the Father in him that's doing the works. Well, it's the same thing with us. Read on, read verse 13. Uh, I mean, read it verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he's going to do them also. But it's going to be just like just like he said above. It's not going to be you that's doing them. It's going to be the Father in him, in you, or Yahshua in you. But it says the greater the works that I do. Ye shall do also. And we know that the works aren't the works like Yahshua was baptized or Yahshua walked on the water or Yahshua did. The work is going to be manifest in that nature that is the father that the father is or that Yahshua the Messiah is. It's going to be manifest. You know, everybody talks about how they want the Holy Spirit. They want the Holy Spirit. They want the Holy Spirit or they think they got the Holy Spirit. But really, the Holy Spirit is just those righteous attributes. And if you have those attributes, it's you got to expect that they're going to be manifest. Those You aren't given the attributes just to sit on them for the purpose of you being saved. Yahshua Messiah gives out, We you know, we read all the time that parable. He gives this one this talent and this one this talent, and he expects those 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 things to be increased. Yahshua gives you those things because he expects those things to grow and to be manifestly um, manifestly grow for the edification of the sons. Now keep 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 reading on. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. See, it says, he that believeth me, the works I'll do, you'll do also. And he says, then he says, and greater works are you going to do. That's amazing. And we can't sit back here and say that there are no works. There just aren't works of righteousness that we can do in order to be saved. There are works, though. There are works. Um, get... Um, Hebrews, I think the 11th, uh, 11th chapter. Actually, get 13 and 21. Let's just go right there. 
Hebrews 13 and 21. Make, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to start at 20. Now, okay. the, now the Elohim of peace that brought, a, that brought again from the dead, our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through there you Yahshua. go again, talking about how the Elohim, or Yahshua the Messiah, he's going to make us perfect in every good work to do his will. And then he's letting us know right there again, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. It doesn't say, so you're going to work and do those things. It's going to say he's going to make you perfect in the good works because he's going to be working in you to do those things that are well-pleasing in his sight through Yahshua the Messiah. So once again, we're going to be doing those works. We're going to be doing his will, but it's not going to be us doing it. It's going to be Yahshua the Messiah. You know, when Yahshua revealed to me that it, was, it wasn't about me, that it wasn't going to be me that was living up to his, to, to, to this righteousness that I was trying so desperately to attain to, it was so, so much of a blessing to, as Yahshua said, rest from your works. What do you mean rest from your works? He says, come unto me, all ye are heavy laden, and rest from your works. <laughs> and I will bring rest unto your all the So he wants, so there's some works that we're not going to do anymore. And those are the works that we did trying to obtain our own righteousness. And we in when we were out in Christianity or wherever we were, we tried to, we'd try to put the tithe in the plate. We'd make sure we didn't drink a beer. We'd, uh, you know, hold hands with our neighbors. We prayed and we'd have all these works that we were doing to show forth our righteousness. And Yahshua called those Pharisees and scribes out because they were all Hotty and going down to the temple and throwing their money where people could see and oh look at me how great I am and then this poor this publican that just gave all that they had he had he he it it wasn't the actual work it was the intent that was in that man that Yahshua was um was so but it's like it's not those works the works and then we come into class and we make our own works of righteousness well I come to every single class I'm an officer I do the attendance I give money towards the treasure and you know what we should do do those things that Yahshua calls us to do but they're not works of righteousness You can't earn your righteousness by those. Now, if you're righteous, you'll be doing some works. <laughs> it's, it's like it is, but then it isn't. It's one of those things. All right. So anyway, uh, he's going to make you perfect. This we're back in Hebrews, the 13th chapter. He's going to make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you to do that is well-pleasing. So it's Yahshua, the Messiah, that's going to be working in us to, um, to do his will and to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 
Now let's get Galatians 6 and 4. And I want to also get um, Matthew 5 and 16. Galatians 6 and 4. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Let every man prove his own work. In other words, you shouldn't be checking out, oh, look what this one did, and look what that one did, and look what this one did. Prove and check out your own work. It, it says in there, um, examine yourself to see whether you are in your faith, to see whether you are in the faith. Well, that's how we need to prove and examine our own self. How are we going to know that we're in the faith? Because we can do a law, profit, and film it on this topic? Or because we are manifestly declared to be epistles of Yahshua the Messiah? In fact, I'm going to have you get that in 2 Corinthians 3, 3, but let's go ahead, first of all, to Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men. Let your light shine. Now, we know that it's Yahshua, the Messiah, that's the light of the world, and that he came. You know, I remember once, I don't were, were you at that class, Linda, where the woman came in and she was actually waiting for like a light bulb to go on to show her she was in the truth? Yes. Some guess. And they were waiting. They said when they, <clears throat> when they, um, when they heard the truth, a light would come on and they would know it. They're like waiting for some physical light to come on. But we know really that the, that Yahshua, he is the light that lighteth all that that are enlightened. So we are being enlightened. And you know how when you see something or understand something and they're trying to depict it in the cartoons, in the little in the little cloud that's dot, dot, dot cloud, you'll see a light bulb because it's like, oh, I see, I understand. Because so, they got, saw the light. Well, we we're gonna see see the see the light, and that light that light is gonna shine. We want that light, or our understanding of Yahshua the Messiah. We want it to shine before men, so that all men can see it. And just like I said earlier, Doctor Kenley said that that we're being we're being read to all men. People are reading you. They see the way you act and the way you conduct your class, yourself. And we we want to be an example or a manifestation of Yahshua. So people will say, hey, I want some of that. I want that, whatever he, where are you going to, what, what do you believe in? Okay, so let's go pick up that Second uh, Corinthians 3 and 3. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, and I'm going to start at 2. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Ye are our epistle written in your hearts, known and read of all men. If we could just remember that, that 
people were reading us all the time. All men were re reading us. And I, I remember, I remember uh, one of our deans that passed away, beloved deans, and he was knew he was going to have to go through a horrific um, thing he was going through with brain cancer and everything. And he just, his prayer was that he didn't, uh, I'm trying to, I don't know the exact words, but he just didn't want to embarrass Joshua and what he was, uh, you know, going to go through. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, and that should be our, our thought. I want to do what's right. Cause it makes my daddy look good. It makes, you know, it makes Yahshua look good. And that should be our our um, goal, if you will. Our does not even a goal because we can't attain it. It's him that attains it, but it should be our um, our desire to manifest the righteousness of Yahweh. That's what we want the Holy Spirit for, is so that we can manifest those righteous attributes and let our light, let that light, let Yahshua the Messiah shine for everyone to see. And I'm telling you, there's nothing, when, when Moses, he saw something, Yahweh showed him something to reveal something, and he came down from that, Mount and his face shone, <laughs> it just shone with what he revealed. He had to put a veil over his face. And sometimes you feel that way that when you're walking in this iniquitous world and you look all around you and you say, Wow, Yahshua chose me out of all these people to manifest him. And then you want to, like, of course, you want to manifest him to thank him for his great kindness. You know, from a physical standpoint, we want to honor. In fact, it was one of the laws that was given to honor your father and mother. And I always wanted in my life, because I, I love my father and, and my mother, and I always wanted to, to make them proud. Now, I would never sacrifice the gospel to make them proud because <laughs> they knew exactly what I believed. And I and I stuck to those things that I that I believed in and they respected me for it. But I never would want to act unseemly around his friends. And I, I would want to to um, to be a good daughter to honor him for the because it's like. Our desire to 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 be a good and faithful servant to honor our spiritual father. That should be our desire. My desire is so there to want to honor and uh, be pleasing unto my physical father, and that's just a type of how we should want to be um, pleasing and honor and. Um, show forth the glory of our father in heaven. That's, that's really what our whole purpose is for. If Yahshua has in fact given us his spirit. So let your light shine before men so that they can see thy good works. If you read on in Matthew, the 16th 
chapter, verse 27, it says, Yahweh's going to reward every man according to his works. And it's not because you're doing the works. You're rewarded because you got the one in you that's doing the works. <laughs> I know it's like can be a touchy subject, how that faith without works is dead, but yet and still you're not saved by your works. <laughs> but it's just the fact of the matter. Your only hope is salvation, we read, is Joshua in you. Joshua in you, your only hope is salvation. That's the only thing that's going to save you is to have that Messiah in you. But if the Messiah be in you, he is going to manifest. He is not getting in somebody that's not willing to shine their light. That's not willing to do his will. Because if you find that to be the situation, then you know that he isn't in you that's going to cause you to do his will and even will it. So anyway, I'm going to end there and just encourage everyone to let your light shine. We're down here in a, in a time that it's so dark. It's so dark out there. Iniquity is abounding. And, 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 and we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, I just look and I say, what next? And I expect it because we know that down here at the end, it's going to be so treacherous and so pre precarious and perilous that even the elect wouldn't be saved if he didn't cut it short. So you know we're down here and the times are tough and they are rough. And that devil, he is doing everything he can to pull us down. That's why we need to stay together and stand in the things that Yahshua has shown us and let our sh light shine before men so that they too can glorify Yahweh as he truly is and actually exists. Thank you for your attention. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Deb Kometi from our Syracuse, New York class. I'd like to say thank you and um, welcome everybody. Um, we had our Syracuse class uh, canceled tonight because they had uh, rented out our room or somebody else had uh, booked the room for some kind of uh, a party. So we uh, thought that we would join the Oceanside class. I'm happy to be here. Um, we were talking, Jerry was talking about the faith of the operation. I'd like to go to, um, uh, where is it? Where it talks about the faith of the operation. It's uh, Colossians. Colossians 2.12. Oh. Thank you. Can somebody grab that? Okay, I, I'm almost there. Colossians 2.12? No, yeah. not 2.12. Well, go, go ahead and uh, you can start at 9. 2 and 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Is that what you wanted? Yes, please. Okay. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of the Messiah 
buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of Yahweh, who hath raised him from the dead. Okay. Bruce, hang on just a second. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about Yahshua. Yahweh is salvation. We're talking about that spirit of the righteousness, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. We're mm-hmm. talking about that in Yahshua dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So you're not talking about God sending his son in in any lesser degree other than sonship degree, but he still had the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So now that's Yahshua the Messiah's purpose. He is coming and he's looking to gather his bride. Just like when you had back there in the law, you had different ones, Jacob and um, I think it was, let me say, well, anyways, you had different ones and they would go to the tribes and they would try to gather themselves a bride, not of the heathen, but of the Jews. And that's just a manifestation, the principle being that it the Jews at that time were the chosen ones. So he was Jacob and those ones were looking to gather a bride from the tribes, the chosen ones. Now, Yahshua is gathering his bride from the chosen ones. And that being us, because he has put his spirit in you. I think Jerry did a fine job in letting us all know that there's nothing that you're going to do to be in that position. It's just like, um, one of the brides was Rachel. One of the brides was Rebecca. They had nothing of themselves to do with being born a Jew. See what I'm saying? We have nothing of ourselves of being born a spiritual Jew so that Yahshua the Messiah is gathering us unto him. So this fullness of the Godhead bodily, Yahweh is salvation, okay, comes along. And we are complete in him. He's the head. We're the body. And if somebody could go over to Ephesians, it's the end of the chapter where it it talks about this very, uh, it's 1 and 22, just to get the um, point of what Paul's saying to them over in Ephesus also. Okay. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the assembly, which is his body, the fullness of him that that filleth all in all. So you see what I'm talking about? He's the head, we're the body. And you know yourself just from being in this world that each to have life, each head needs a body and each body needs a head. Okay, so we're talking about this relationship that we have with this Yahshua the Messiah with this Yahweh is salvation we find ourselves being complete in him read now uh, Bruce go ahead and read 11 this is uh, Colossians 2 and 10 and you're complete in him 
which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of the Messiah. Now, see, personally, I would not understand what that, that was talking about if somebody had not showed me back in the law the example. Okay, so if we can go back, I think it is in, I'll just pick up the, the one about when Moses is heading back down to Egypt and um, he circumcises his boys. Uh, let me see here. Just to bring the, yes. Okay, so somebody pick up Ephesians 4 and, uh, let me see, 23 through 25. I'm sorry, it's Exodus. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, sorry. Okay, X. I'm almost there. I stopped. I went, started to go back to Ephesians. Okay, Exodus 4, and what was it again, please? 4.23. Got it. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass, by the way, in the inn, that uh, Yahshua met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. Okay, so I'm trying to pick out the point, pick out the manifestation to show you what a circumcision is, and it's cutting off the foreskin of the male child. Now, I wouldn't know anything about that from my Methodist upbringing. Just saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now we're over here and we've taken a look at what's back in the law and you can find it in the prophets as well because they kept right on doing it. Okay. And you see how Paul now is talking about a circumcision without hands. So if a circumcision is made without hands, then like what the first speaker was talking about, okay, it's not going to be a work. Because what did you have to do with it? You see what I'm saying? It's not going to be a work of righteousness. Oh, look at me. Hmm. You will naturally, being in the being in the body of Yahshua the Messiah, you will naturally be circumcised. Because you're not going to drag a heart covered and full of flesh and a carnal mind in the body of Yahshua. Because Yahshua is complete. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you're in him and he's in you. So now we have the circumcision and it's putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Yahshua. So you, do you see how these things are being done without hands? So we're not talking about Yahshua expecting us, I'll just say the male population, just for clarity, to all go get physically circumcised. Okay, so read on, Bruce. Uh, excuse me, 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of Yahweh, who hath raised him from the dead. Okay, so now we find ourselves in this position, okay, and now I'll use everybody. We're all finding, male and female, we're 
we're all finding as we live in the body of Yahshua the Messiah that we're, our hearts are circumcised, right? Nothing that we had to do with it. Our hearts are circumcised and we're buried in baptism. We're raised with him through the faith of the operation, okay? And now we find ourselves doing things that would praise Yahshua the Messiah that you wouldn't do before. So somebody would say to like, like, wow, you know, I can't believe that they're not freaking out about whatever the situation is. But see, that's how we're manifesting that Yahshua lives and reigns in our heart because of the way we're acting, the way we're responding to situations, the way we're responding, say, to something catastrophic, the way we're responding to things that are going on with us that would cause somebody else to maybe go postal, would cause somebody else to lose it and commit suicide or, or do something much worse. We read about it all the time where, you know, uh, a man will go and he will, you know, go into a school and, and, and just shoot it up. It's a daily thing these days. And so we don't respond that way. And, and that is showing somebody else what it is in us is so much different than what the world has. And that's where it's saying all these things are done without hands. Like Jerry was saying, it's all Yahshua the Messiah, because that's the only way we do things is, is with hands. And so we're showing the faith of the operation because of the way we respond to things that is so different from the way the world responds to them. Now, if you go over to um, our scripture reading, it was interesting, I thought. I had not read this in like quite, quite, quite a long time where it talked about um, do this, don't do that in respect of persons and, you know, talking about the law of transgression, don't be guilty of adultery, don't kill and everything. That And then it talks about, uh, let's just read 10, 10 through um, 13, please, in the scripture. Is that James 2, 2 and 10? Yes. Okay. Stand by. James 2 and 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Now, what, what caught what caught my attention there was he was talking about that he shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now, that's absolutely not talking about the law of carnal commandments contained in ordinances. See, so we have, if Greg, could you grab the um, carnal ordinances chart, please? We have this distinction and we find ourselves now in our hearts and in our minds, we find ourselves in the red heart we find ourselves in a spiritual kingdom even though we are on the earth plane and i'll have to go to physical work on monday we find ourselves in this spiritual kingdom in our hearts and in our minds why 
because we're the bride of Yahshua. Why? Because he came and he, he came to do a job and that was to gather together his bride. I'll show you that in um, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 27, please. And you can stay in James, Bruce. Okay. Okay. 27. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted who did put all things under him. Now, Linda, who are we talking about there? See, Yahweh, 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 that's right. Yahweh Elohim put all things under Yahshua's feet. But it's understood that Yahweh Elohim's not under his feet because he's the one that was designating once he came into a shape and a form and the purpose was proclaimed. Now this Yahshua being part of the purpose, he's the salvation end. Okay. So Yahweh Elohim isn't going to be under his feet. Yahweh Elohim's the one that put everything under Yahshua's feet because Yahshua is the savior of the world. So there's not one thing that isn't going to be put under his feet, except Paul's making the point, except Yahweh Elohim. Go ahead. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that Yahweh may be all in all. So here we have this cycle, and we understand the Godhead. Could I go back for a minute to the Moses chart, Greg? Thank you. So up in the left-hand corner, we, we show we manifest Yahweh as a fiery cloud. Yahweh's not a fiery cloud, but he's showing himself as a fiery cloud coming into a shape and a form that Moses saw having hands, feet, and a body, okay? And then he proclaimed the creation, and then it shows him at the end, it shows him being fully clothed, it shows him being a high priest, and it shows him being with his arms open unto salvation of all mankind. So you've got Yahweh, proclaiming himself to be in a shape and a form and then that shape and a form manifests throughout the creation all things are for his glory and then when mankind comes in on the sixth day uh guess what every single thing that's in that garden is good for the man every single thing is ripened and ready to eat because the man has a physical body so all these things are showing an idea of keeping you alive, Adam and Eve, keeping you going, keeping you sustained. That's just showing the example because then when it's fully time, let me have Galatians 3 and 24, when it's fully time, then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to come into this creation and I'm going to manifest the salvation that's been designated way before way before time go ahead and read that wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto the messiah that we might be justified by faith oh there's that faith again that jerry talks so heavily about because that's the name of the game and we're going to go back over to romans the third chapter as well because paul does a really really good job of uh breaking things down there but go ahead 
but after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now, that's what we're talking about. James is over there. He's saying, don't commit adultery. Don't do this. Don't do that. But you're judged by the law of liberty. What's the law of liberty? When we were, when Greg had the other chart up, it showed us the law of liberty is Yahshua being Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is liberty. Yahweh is freedom. That being in your heart and mind. And mm -hmm. that's what's doing the judging now to make you in your heart and in your mind. I'm not trying to judge Jerry. I'm not trying to judge Bruce. I'm not trying to judge Linda. But I do know in my heart and mind, every single minute of every single breath I take, the action is being judged, whether it is good or whether it is bad. See, it's the law of liberty. And it keeps you because you know why? You cannot go outside of that law of liberty. You cannot go outside of it to commit sin. It's it's impossible. It's impossible. It's like me trying to live in the ocean tomorrow. I can't breathe. I can, I'll die. I'll die very quickly without equipment. It's an impossibility for us to go outside of that, that law of liberty. It's a beautiful thing. And we talk about, Jerry was talking about, it's Yahshua doing everything. And that's how Yahshua is praised. And that's how Frank was talking about it in the prayer. That mercy, that truth that keeps us, see? And people know you're different because you won't tell a story. You won't lie for your own uh, gratification and glory. You won't, you know, make up and, and make a story bigger than it is. He know, We know, we know what's going on. And, and we won't like, you know, if somebody gives us, I don't know, just, just use an example. Please don't, you know, go crazy with this. But somebody gives you an extra 20 at the grocery store and you say, oh, nope, you gave me the wrong change. They look at you like, wow, who get, who does that lately? I'm just saying, if you keep the 20, I don't care. I'm just saying that we're different because we know Yahshua gives us all that we need. Why would I have to take an extra 20? I already got my 20. You see what I'm saying? We're different because we walk by faith. That whatever we have, our our 20s are enough. We don't need an extra one that wasn't really ours to come to. Okay? Go ahead and, and keep on in Galatians. Okay. It's 26. For ye are all the sons of Yahweh by faith in Yahshua the Messiah. Oh, we're the sons of Yahweh. We're the bride of Yahweh. We're the companion of Yahweh. Just as those people, uh, which one? Who worked for the... Uh, the, the bride for seven years and they gave him Leah and then they had to work seven more for the uh, one they were after. Um, who? Oh, Jacob. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So 14 years, this guy is in a laborious situation trying to get to his bride. It just shows the lengths that was gone through to get to the bride that was chosen. And look at the lengths that Yahshua has gone through. Look at that cross. You know what? That's just a nice picture for us. That's not yeah. what he was. He was beaten to a pulp. True. It says in Isaiah that you wouldn't even recognize him. His He was totally unrecognizable by the time they got done beating him. Okay. The lengths he'll go through. The works that he would finish. Works that the father gave him to do. Because everything, every single thing he was about. Don't forget, it's already labeled on him. I'm salvation. Because Yahweh is salvation. And I am Yahweh in the shape and form doing this job. Go ahead. 
For as many of you as have been baptized into Yahshua have put on the Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Yahshua the Messiah. And if ye be Yahshua's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I mean, isn't that powerful? If you look at the bottom of this chart and you see the Edenic transgression, you see the flood, the Tower of Babel, Abrahamic promise. What was the Abrahamic promise? That his seed would be as the stars of heaven and it would be as the sand of the, of the sea. And you can't number either one of those manifestations. And that's why he used them to show numerous, to show such a great uh, offspring. I mean, it's so powerful to show that promise. Okay, next, what comes up? Mosaic law. We've talked about this before. Who's that for? It's for the chosen Jews. But guess what? It's not them today, the physical nation. I had a girl say this to me the other day. She couldn't believe what was going on over there with Israel and Hamas because they're the chosen people. I almost fell off because I just haven't heard that in so long because that's not the way it is today. If you go over and you see the fulfillment of the Jews and the Gentiles over at, um, under the red heart, okay, that's not... You can read it over there in Romans uh, 2 and 27 and 28. It's not the physical Jew, and it's not even a physical Gentile. Okay, what the who's chosen is the bride of Yahshua. He's come down in this sonship degree to get his bride. And he has worked a long, arduous time in the sense of fulfilling the works that the Father gave him to do so that he could pour out his spirit. And you know what? He couldn't pour his spirit out not one minute earlier than after his resurrection. He's walking around for three and a half years. He can't give those people, the disciples or anybody else in the crowd, he can't give them the Holy Spirit. It isn't time. And that's what Linda just read, okay? That what by the time we go through all the works of the law, and by the time we get fulfilling the schoolmaster, then it's going to be time to pour out the spirit. But that's at his resurrection. And that's where the life comes in. On the day of Pentecost, those people are up in a room and they are scared to death because of what has happened to Yahshua and what could happen to them. And what does happen? Nine o'clock in the morning, here's Yahshua the Messiah pouring out his spirit into the hearts and minds of Jews only. Okay. Seven years later, Gentiles. But after you get to that seven-year mark, of the Gentiles in 40 AD, you don't have physical people laying claim to being chosen or special anymore, see? But he did use the Jews back there to show a principle of a chosen ones. And I love how Scott Miller always says this. He says that the back there with the um, Israelites when they were in the land of Egypt, they were the chosen ones, not the choosing ones. <laughs> it was such a great funny point because Yahshua chose them to be the example. But over here, listen, I sit in, you know, the state of New York. I've never been to Israel. I don't think I have any relatives that are Israeli Israelis. And guess what? I'm chosen. And so are you. 
Do you see how it works? It's just to understand these things. Now, Linda, I think you're done. Uh, let me see four, four, and two, and, uh, four and four. But when the fullness of time was come, Yahweh sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Keep going. And because ye are sons, Yahweh has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of Yahweh through Yahshua. Then an heir, you're no more a servant. You're a son. And you know the difference. If you don't go back there and read about the slavery and the life on a plantation, the difference between an heir and a servant was quite distinct. Okay. And you're no more a servant. You're no more just out there with every wind of doctrine and just miserable and trying to understand what life's all about. You're an heir. And you know yourself when you're an heir, your life changes. If you become, you know, if you inherit something quite large, you know your life changes. And we've inherited eternal life through this Yahshua, the Messiah, and what he did on that cross. Um, did I call, uh, did I call John, uh, I wanted to, to call John, let me see what it is, just to show you something about, we're so different from the world. Okay, so it's it's first John and it's three and seven. And then I want to go over to Romans if I have time. I'm still in James. Is that right? Okay. Uh, you can drop that for a minute, Bruce, and go to first John or go to Romans three. Okay. I'll get first John, Linda. Okay. And it was first John what? I'm so sorry. Yep. Three and seven. Three and seven. Okay. First John 3 and 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. You see what I'm you see what you're saying? You could say this as another example is like the family name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Jerry was talking about loving her parents and loving the family name and not wanting to be an embarrassment to it. She don't want to be in the police blotter. She wants to be on the first page of having academic soundness doing a science project. See, and if you're if you're in the family of righteousness, then guess what? That's your name. That is you. If, if Yahshua's righteousness and he's put his spirit in you, then you're called by righteousness. And that's what Jerry was talking about. You'll be doing things that are righteous and you won't even be thinking about it because you are the family of righteousness. You're the family of Yahshua. If he's righteousness, your righteousness. Go ahead. He that committeth sin is of the is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Yahweh was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And what should I say? He was designated. He was declared salvation. The mystery of iniquity was declared destruction. Destruction of a soul. The mystery of righteousness was declared salvation. See, so this Yahshua comes on the on the scene. It's like two mighty forces, two mighty powers. But guess what? Yahshua wins. Yahshua has the victory. And guess where we are? In Yahshua. 
So you see how this devil, he's going to destroy the works of the devil. That's why your works, your job, your manifestations are just going to show righteousness. You see what I'm saying? Go ahead. Whosoever is born of Yahweh doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of Yahweh. Cannot sin. You have the law of liberty. You cannot sin. You cannot find yourself outside of the law because you are in the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. So the things that you do, can you make a mistake? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can make a mistake, but it's not intentional and it's not to hurt somebody's soul or to make them misunderstand something. You're not going to commit sin because your name is righteousness under Yahshua. Go over to John or to Romans now. I'll have a couple minutes left here. Go over to uh, Romans 3 and pick it up in. Paul is so. Paul is, I, I just love the way he explains things here. I don't always love the way Paul explains things because I'm not sure of them, but this one's a goodie to me because he's talking about this just, oh, thank you. I saw that five minutes. He's talking about being justified by faith. And that's what Jerry started us off with. And that's that law of liberty. And people that don't understand what the law of liberty is, they're not in it. Okay. Because when they tried to ask, uh, you know, Dr. Kinley, well, what's that mean? What can we do now? What can't we do now? You know what? He would not answer them because now he's going to put another, you know, do's and don'ts on them. The law of liberty, when you're in the law of liberty, you totally get it. So go ahead, Bruce or, or Linda. Oh, I got it, Where Linda. Where would you want to start? Okay. At, in verse 21. Okay, 21. But now the righteousness of Yahweh apart from the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So this, now we're talking about this righteousness, this law of liberty that James was declaring over there, totally different from the Old Testament law, the Old Covenant law, okay? It's being, it's the righteousness of Yahweh apart from the Old Covenant. Go ahead. Even the righteousness of Yahweh, which by which is by faith of Yahshua the Messiah unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. We are children of faith in the operation of Yahshua. And whatever he is declaring, we are of that faith. No doubts, because if you're in doubt, that is sin in this new covenant. If you have doubt, that is sin. Because all we have in our hearts and in our minds is the faith of the operation. No matter what. Go ahead. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of Yahshua. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Yahshua the Messiah. We're justified freely because remember I told you that Yahweh Elohim, once he comes forth and that shape and form takes place. The next part of the purpose is to declare salvation and what it's going to look like. And here's this Yahshua, the Messiah. It's all over him. Yahweh is salvation. I've come to save sinners. There's and 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 we're gonna we're gonna read it if we didn't already hear. Everybody's a sinner. Go ahead, read. Um, actually, I was twenty-three. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of Yahshua. 
all have sinned and come short. So there's nobody that doesn't need Yahshua. Go ahead. Um, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Yahshua the Messiah, whom Yahweh hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of Yahshua. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Yahshua. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. By the law of faith, by the law of liberty, by the law of salvation, by the law of you being the bride of Yahshua. Go ahead. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Without the deeds of the law. And if you want to know anything more about it, you look at this red, fiery heart. And you take time and you read through all those things where you're translated and you're anointed and you're baptized. And there's a circumcision. And there's a circ and the girls are circumcised too. Guess what? To look at it, the girls, because we're not talking about foreskin anymore of a man. We're talking about the heart and we're talking about the mind. I hope trust somebody got something out of what was said. And I look forward to hearing the next speaker. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Kometi. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the president of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Carl Emler. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. This class reminds me of uh, Adobe Gillis series back in the 60s <laughs> works work what work that's right Maynard G. Krebs Maynard G. Krebs was a beatnik and didn't do any work no work if you said work his whole body would shudder work what? <laughs> that's true um, work is a four letter word uh, uh, because it is really difficult to understand. Yet the first two speakers were, uh, and I, they were exemplary in um, running uh, through the book, verse after verse after verse, um, ways to distinguish. Uh, and understand this four-letter word. Um, let's get work in the dictionary. And I have just the Merriam-Webster dictionary online here. And when I look up work, uh, it says... To perform work or fulfill duties regularly for wages or salary. Uh, to perform or a task requiring sustained effort or continuous repeated operations. To exert oneself physically or mentally, especially in a sustained effort for purpose or under compulsion 
or necessity to function or operate according to a plan or design to produce a desired effect or result and to induce to exert uh, an influence or tendency. There's a whole lot of definitions for work. Mm -hmm. And when we read, and particularly when Paul denigrates work with respect to um, not being able to do works of righteousness, Paul is specifically talking about this old covenant. Give me Deuteronomy uh, 6 and 24, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 6 and 24. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he hath commanded us. Now, who made this statement? Now, obviously, Moses is uh, uh, reciting this or rehearsing this in the years of the children of Israel. But where did Moses get this declaration? He got this declaration from Yahweh Elohim. Start that again, Bruce. Uh, 24 and Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes. right there right there right. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel and says Yahweh has commanded us to do this right and uh I have had people tell me now read on here read this through again Bruce okay and Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes to fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he hath, as he hath commanded us. Now, uh, someone in the uh, who has been in class but uh, did not understand the significance of this statement to Moses uh, split this uh, utterance into two parts uh, and separated what Yahweh commanded with respect to uh, these laws and statutes with what Israel in their estimation or in their understanding decided to call it now this is a simple twist but when you get i want you to listen when you get to um and it shall be our righteousness mm -hmm. okay. this is the point that they say that israel decided it should be their righteousness and yahweh's did not make the 
statement that it would be their righteousness. So read that again from the beginning and okay. listen to this twist that is made because when they say, when, when Moses says, and it shall be our righteousness, Moses is not making an editorial comment here. Moses is completing the thought that Yahweh Elohim had given him by vision. Uh, and this is significant. Read it again, Bruce. Deuteronomy 6 and 24 and 25. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim, as he hath commanded us. So because the we is in there, they thought we decided this. <laughs> now, get me over in Matthew 3, I guess it's the baptism. Suffer it to be so now, I want. Okay, that's Matthew 3, and I guess um, at 313. Then cometh Yahshua from Galilee to the Jordan unto John to be baptized by him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Yahshua answering said unto him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Thank you. Uh, when you try to explain to a person who doesn't have an understanding of the operation of Yahweh's purpose, how that when the Messiah was baptized by John, that that was uh, ending the significance of physical, natural, literal water baptism, ending it. Um, and they look at that statement, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And you say fulfill means finish. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, wait a minute. He's finishing righteousness. Does that mean there's no more righteousness anymore? Uh, so it can't mean ending. He's got to be instituting righteousness because following in Jesus's footsteps uh, is the righteousness of God to the extent that you don't hang on a cross, I suppose, because his footsteps took us right to this crucifixion that you see. And, uh, and instead, you know, you'll do suppers, you'll do the baptisms because you're following in Jesus's footsteps, but why aren't you hanging on a cross? And and actually, uh, during Passover or during, during uh, the time the Messiah was crucified, there uh, at least is one person I know of who uh, annually gets nailed to a cross down in Florida. Now, he could be dead by now, but this was like over the years, I would see this um, um story about this guy would nail get nailed to a cross down in Florida because he's walking in Jesus's footsteps there's no understanding with respect to the declarations made by the creator when they're made why they're made 
and to whom they're made. And the, give me the Moses chart now, Greg. The when Yahweh um, uh, here we go. Yeah, let me just get the Moses chart for a minute. And that the first two speakers, there's not anything more I can say. I mean, the first two speakers have really um, covered this to such an extent. But uh, so I'm just going to recoup with maybe a, a little of this and a little of that. But Moses went up at the, this mountain, Mount Sinai, several times, two very significant times. Uh, uh, well, they're, I guess they're all significant. The first time he spoke with Moses, uh, Yahweh Elohim, it was to have the children of Israel clean up because Yahweh Elohim was going to speak to them. And so they had to be prepared for that. And so Moses has a, a, a conversation with Yahweh Elohim or a vision. And he tells Moses to gather the people, have them clean up and, you know, in three days, I will speak to them and all that. And that's where we get the first uh, inkling of the Ten Commandments. That's when these Ten Commandments were spoken from the fiery cloud down to the children of Israel. And that's where um, uh, we have our history as Gentiles watching the Ten Commandment movie at Easter time. And uh, if I, uh, I was a Lutheran and I was going to confirmation school where you had to do all this stuff in order to finally be able to be confirmed. Uh, and one of the things you had to do was in the 20th chapter of Exodus, I had to memorize the Ten Commandments. <laughs> memorize them word for word. And it had to be exactly like it was in the King James Version. And, and if I missed a word, if I left out a V or that, I had to go back and do it again. That's how strict the Lutherans were for confirmation. I had to be able to memorize it. Paul Parrot, exactly yeah. what they wanted me to repeat. There was no explanation because they don't... The, the Lutherans do not understand... Uh, what the purpose of the Ten Commandment law that was spoken to Israel from the top of the mountain to the children of Israel. The Lutherans do not understand that. And uh, Deb, neither do the Methodists. <laughs> uh, Christianity uh, and even the covenant marriage guy, who's now the Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, who is a, a, a really staunch, uh, uh, by the book Christian, so he claims. Uh, his group does not understand the law that was given on top of Mount Sinai. They don't know who it was given to, they don't know why it was given, and they don't know. Uh, uh, what was the third one? They don't know who it was given. They don't know why it was given. And they don't know who gave it, really. Because they these people think that uh, this law is meant for them to keep in order to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. And 
as we find in the wilderness of Sinai, when Yahweh gave this law, and it was already spoken by the first two speakers, he gave this law to the to the natural Israelites who, now listen to my words, who were the chosen people back then. Hmm. And Christianity doesn't know that Israel was the chosen people back then. Because Christianity, as this woman said to, I guess it was Deb, what's going on over there? They're the chosen people now, those folks back there uh, with the funny hats and the banging their heads on the wall and uh, being, you know, establishing their land and since 1948. Those guys who aren't didn't accept Jesus, so they're not Christians. And they're not, certainly not Islam, because that's who they're fighting. Those are the chosen people. And they still think, Israel not only still thinks they're the chosen people, but the world still thinks that, for some reason, they're the chosen people. And the truth and the reality of this is, uh, uh, Greg, give me the ages and dispensations chart. I never saw an ages in dispensation display when I was a Lutheran. Um, it was never explained to me <clears throat> that there were significant um, God-driven time frames, if you would, or uh, periods that were uh, changeable uh, in God's eyesight, uh, according to the progression of man, starting from Adam, coming out of the Garden of Eden. That's how Christianity starts man. They take uh, Adam, comes out of the Garden of Eden, and, uh, you know, they have their first kids, Cain and Abel, and then Seth, and the promise that was given to, uh, or the challenge, I guess, that was given to Adam, but really it was a promise and to both Adam and Eve that since they had been kicked out of the garden, and this was a death sentence for them, um, and Adam indeed did die because uh, the commandment was, uh, and now listen, <laughs> again, there's so much as far as this is this would go, but before Eve took the fruit and they were in the Garden of Eden, there was a commandment given to uh, Adam uh, uh, not to touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in the midst of the garden. There were not any commandments about adultery because there were no women he could commit adultery to. And there was no commandments about stealing stuff because everything was his in the garden uh etc you know uh so there was this one commandment this one commandment that all i had all this food and all this stuff and they had this one commandment uh just don't eat that from that tree and uh the uh the world is in such darkness they're in such utter darkness because they think oh if Eve hadn't done that. 
They would have got to stay in the garden. They would never have left the garden. Mm -hmm. And we would have been okay. (laughs) But there wouldn't have been a we to be okay if they didn't leave the garden. Because the childbearing that uh, was mentioned to uh, Adam in the garden to be fruitful and multiply, that childbearing was in the knowledge and understanding of Yahweh, but unbeknownst to Adam, that childbearing would uh, begin to occur once they left the garden. Because while they were in the garden, they didn't even know they were naked, let alone fooling around if you will uh and having kids there there was going to be no kids in that garden as long as they were there they were at peace in in a sense uh walking with adam walking with yahweh elohim but when adam was kind of off with yahweh elohim one time eve encounters the mystery of iniquity or encounters the mystery of iniquity and uh he deceives eve into taking the fruit and uh, when Adam comes back to her, Adam realizes it's happened. He gives him the fruit and he takes it and eats it too. Uh, again, the world has no understanding about Yahweh's purpose because in this very fact that Adam took that fruit uh, from his wife, uh, knowing that she was in a death-like state or had made this great change was worried and scared now and all of this kind of stuff um he laid down his life for her by taking that fruit and uh because adam knew that she would be expelled from the garden and uh he loved his wife and laid down his uh life for her and uh, they were expelled from the garden. And that's when the promise of you shall be saved through childbearing, that's when childbearing became significant. And we don't have time to follow that all the way down through. But um, uh, so there was a commandment and that commandment was disobeyed, but it was disobeyed according to Yahweh's purpose. And again, the world is completely ignorant that there's a purpose and that Yahweh's not sitting up or God's not sitting up in the sky looking down on you and hoping you do the right thing and hoping you don't do a bad thing like he's a Santa Claus God. And uh, in Christianity, uh, particularly the Roman Catholic Church has expanded to such a degree knowing that mankind is going to not be able to keep that natural law of righteousness that was spoken about with Moses. So now we had a law in the garden. And then in the uh, antediluvian, the second age, the age of conscience, there's a law of conscience in there. And this is kind of an interesting age, because in this age, the age of conscience, uh, they didn't have a law that they were expected to keep. There was no list of things that they were supposed to do or anything like that. Uh, But uh, they followed their conscience. (laughs) And 
In following their conscience, can someone get to me in Genesis? I think it's in the sixth chapter where the end of all flesh, flesh has come before me. I want to pick up that evilness because I want to show the state of this conscience of death that um, uh, was brought upon all mankind uh, at this point, this second age point, through the expulsion of Adam and Eve into the garden. Because what we're doing is we're following the, the, the purpose of Yahweh and the works, <laughs> the works that Yahweh had expected or was declared all the way down to the long prophet up okay. until this present age. So that we understand finally what it is that we do as a work, when we do it, how we do it, and who does it. Yeah. You have that? Yeah, okay. It's six and five, I believe you want, right. of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh Elohim saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, this, this is eight. At the end of the day, if you get to just follow your conscience, let your conscience be your guide. That's what uh, is said out there in the world, you know, and they think if you let your conscience be your guide, everything will be okay. All right. Look out in the world. Yeah, true. Exactly right. It's insane now. It's worse than it's ever been in my lifetime. There is a time now where there is no respect for just regular witness facts, even scientifically proven. People just, no, I'm going to believe that. I, I don't believe that. The, right. the conspiracy theories are phenomenal. They look at a man who... And, and it's just not one man. These men are all over the world le leading these countries who are corrupt, known corrupt, known. Uh, I remember the what was it? Was it? I, I, I'm not sure. I think it was one of the like Puerto Rico or something like that, where they uh, put in place in power this guy who decided if you deal in drugs, we're going to shoot you and kill you. Uh, I forget what country it was. Mm. Uh, Duarte, I think his name was. Mm. Um, but anyway, all over the world, these leaders are brutal. Um, uh, just corrupt people. Yes. And uh, and it's accepted because people in this country, people vote in corrupt people knowing they're corrupt, right. but, and you know why they vote them in? And it was just the news today, I read this article, that they don't care about the uh, mm -hmm. politics like they used to and getting something passed and all this. Mm -hmm. They care about someone who is going to uh, uh, promote Christian ethics as mm -hmm. law in this country. They want this country to be governed by Christianity like uh, Islam governs Iran. 
That's what they want. That's why they're instituting all these things. They read in the Bible. Oh, this is bad and that's bad. So now we're going to get rid of the books. And we're now we're not going to say this unless you're an adult. You can't say anything about your whatever, your sexual proclivity or whatever until you're out of high school. If you say it before then, uh, then someone's going to get in trouble. Uh, all of these are based on because they say this is a Christian country. And uh, not to say that the Constitution was quite opposed to that. They saw back then the problem of having a, a, a religion of any kind uh, ruling a country because now it's not ruled by um, um, uh, logical uh, reason. Now it's just ruled by fables and thoughts of men about some supreme being that they've never seen. Right. You know, no man has ever seen the God of the Christians, just have never seen him. No man has seen the, the Jews. Uh, they saw the Elohim of Israel in a vision. But when it came to Yahweh, it was clear to the, that uh, no man has seen God or Yahweh at any time that this visionary shape and form that we saw on the top of Mount Sinai, Yahweh Elohim, uh, describes the actual creator himself or Yahweh or God. No man can see that. Uh, and we know we know why we just don't have time for that. But uh, uh, in, in Islam, no man has seen Allah. You don't talk, you don't get these notifications of people who have had Allah visiting them and telling them these things. They have the Quran. And this was Muhammad, who uh, over the years was troubled by thoughts that he had. And he would he would sometimes he would be so depressed and other times he would be. And he wrote these things down in this book. Then that's where the Quran came from. It didn't come from a vision and revelation per se, like uh, Moses uh, uh, had the look at Moses had a vision of Genesis, because how could anybody know that Yahweh Elohim or the Lord God said, let there be light, and there was light when there was no one to see it? Where did that information come from? Mm -hmm. He scribbled it down someplace on a rock and hide it, and then Moses found it and said, oh, look at this. No, Moses had a divine vision uh, on top of Mount Sinai, and this is where the Ten Commandments came from. So here in this age of conscience, that was the law. Their conscience was the law. And the result of that is that there was only evil continually. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And so they brought in this law of Moses in order to identify what the righteousness of Yahweh is to his physical chosen people uh, in the wilderness of Sinai. We're going to have to go back to the Moses chart now. I just wanted to bring you through these ages a little bit to show you there were differences going on between Yahweh and people down through these ages and dispensation. And once we get to the law and someone get me, uh, it couldn't do uh, uh, as pertaining to the conscience. It just look up as pertaining to the conscience. And you'll get the scripture for that if you got one of these electronic concordances, concordi. Um, this law 
was given at the top of Mount Sinai. I'm talking about the Ten Commandment law to the physical Israelites. There were no Gentiles who had not committed themselves to Judaism, if you would, or to the family, a family of Israelites not had not converted there in their thinking to uh, the Israel nation. There were none, no just plain old Gentiles down there in the in the wilderness of Sinai. Everyone was a Jew or owned, if you would, uh, by a Jew and therefore under Jewish command. And this law was given to them and to them, O-N-L-Y. Do you have that uh, scripture I asked? It's in Hebrews, but I'm sorry, I don't have it. All right, let uh, me look. Nine, nine. What is it? Nine, nine. Hebrews nine, nine. Let me get over there real quick. Uh, I got it, Carl. Yeah, I just want to see if that's good enough. Let me see here. Uh, start at six, read a little quick, because I got about okay. eight minutes. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of Yahweh. Now, but they're in, talking about this tabernacle that you see in front of you in the wilderness of Sinai. And they're talking about the Jewish priests. And 9.1 says, they're verily the first covenant had ordinances of divine service in a worldly sanctuary. And that's what they're talking about here. This first covenant is all described in this ninth chapter of Hebrews. And we don't have time to get it all. But the idea that you need to understand is this First covenant was given to the natural Jews. It was a natural law. It was a law of ordinances and commandments carved in stone that they had to do that it just that Yahweh declared, this will be your righteousness if you can. And Yahweh knew they couldn't do it, but he gave him an out. He gave him this tabernacle. And so on the day of atonement, the high priest. Uh, ministered into this tabernacle precisely the way he was told to do it. No mistakes whatsoever. And uh, uh, Yahweh forgave their sins for a year. And this had to be repeated every year because as uh, uh, the conscience of man back under the, before the flood, man was evil continuously. That has not yet changed for these people. If they were left to their own desires, then you look at Moses was gone 40 days and they built a golden calf to go back into Egypt after Yahweh Elohim divided the waters of the Red Sea and slayed thousands of Egyptians and spoke to them from a fiery cloud, the Ten Commandment law. Moses is gone for 40 days. That, that's it. Let's get back down built a golden calf. This is the conscience of men. All right, read on here in Hebrews. Seven, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Now, look at the first tabernacle was standing and the high priest went into that most holy place once a year, every year. He knew where that was. But this says that the Holy Spirit signified 
that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. And he's not talking about the holy place or the most holy place of the tabernacle. And he's not talking about the holy place or the most holy place of the temple. And the world does not recognize the difference between these natural, physical types and shadows and examples. Uh, and, and all can all they can see is the flesh. That's all they can see. I'm sorry I interrupted you, Bruce. Finish that okay. off. Again. Okay. Um, nine, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Look at, we saw what happened at the flood that all of mankind except eight people were wiped out because their conscience was evil continually. And that same conscience has come down through. But now Yahweh said, I'm not going to destroy the world again by a flood, but he had to do something in order to accommodate the movement of his purpose uh, up until the Messiah. So he provided this type and shadow, this law that uh, that would uh, let them uh, uh, hang out, if you would, or not be completely eliminated like he eliminated them at the flood. Let them uh, move forward uh, until the time of the Messiah. But remember, this was the first covenant, and that lets you know there's going to be a second covenant. And uh, when Adam was kicked out of the garden, there was works that he had to do. He had to hunt and, and he had to make his own dwelling and stuff. And he had to have kids. <laughs> and that was a work. It, it, they call it labor when you're having a kid. <laughs> There's a little bit of work to that, you understand? And we recognize that now in this age in dispensation because uh, from a spiritual standpoint, we are in labor, and um, but I don't want to go there. But um, so this was a figure. This old law was a figure for the time then present. What time then present? Back there with Moses? No, the time then present was from the time it was given until the time the Messiah said, I've come to fulfill it or finish it and move it out of the way. All of that was the time then present. Because once he died on the cross, and it's, oh, I got three minutes. Once he died on the cross, uh, it said, because if that was the old covenant or the first covenant, then you need a new covenant or a second covenant. And that new covenant or, or second covenant couldn't come in until there was a death of the testator of the first covenant. That's in Hebrews or Romans. There's no time. Uh, and so, uh, he had to die on the cross in order to fulfill or move that covenant out of the way. And now all I'm saying is this. There have always been works in Yahweh's purpose, plain and simple. There's never been a time where there haven't been works in Yahweh's purpose. Uh, there were works up in the garden. Uh, uh, Moses or Moses. Adam was put there as a husbandman to, to do mm -hmm. something. And you can say, well, there were no dead branches or anything. You can say whatever you want, but he was put in there to tend the garden. And, and then when he was kicked out, now he's got to bring forth kids and he's got to maintain that lineage and give him food and shelter and all the rest of the stuff. Now with Moses, 
they got to keep a very specific series of laws, not only the Ten Commandment laws, but 607 odd uh, 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 ordinances. And those ordinances and laws uh, dictated every, every, every aspect of their life to keep them. Now, under this covenant, we're under the same auspices that there is a law, and I, there's not time to get it now, but Yahshua uh, gives this law. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, uh, oh, gosh. No, I'm not going to be able to find it. Where um, the law is to um, love Yahweh with your whole spirit, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it was picked up in, by Deb also that to, to believe on the name. And I forget what scripture, scripture Deb, you picked up for that. Um, uh, but uh, that also, you have to believe on the name of Yahshua. You have to do, it's a work that you have to do. And you have to love Yahweh with all your heart and mind. That's work that you have to do under this covenant. But this covenant is not a physical covenant. This is a spiritual covenant. So believing on the name of Yahshua is not going into the dictionary or not going into the uh, encyclopedia and seeing the J and seeing the name and then believing that's his name. And now I'm going to change from Jesus to, to Yahshua there. Boom, I've done it. I believed in the name. That is not a spiritual operation. Yeah, right. First John three twenty three, and then I'm done because I'm already a minute over time here. Linda, you got it. These works are all spiritual, and as the, all of the works of the law under there guided every aspect of their lives under the spirit that uh, Deb talked about through those things will guide every aspect of your spiritual life. There's work you will be working your head off spiritually because it's that holy spirit in you now being made manifest read that and then i'm done first john 3 23 and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son yashua and love one another as he gave us commandment and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and by this we know that he abideth in us by the spirit whom he hath given us hmm. And so now the one who's been giving all these laws all this time now is in you performing them. Every aspect of your spiritual life as it was in the example under the law of Moses. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class. We'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Alleluia. 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 Alleluia.